This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glut. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment, food as sport, food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. Today on American Glutton, I welcome Jason and Lauren Pack. They are a personal training duo and host the podcast Reasonably Fit. Please enjoy our conversation. Jason and Lauren Pack, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. This thanks is awesome. For, thanks for doing this, guys. You, I, I, I admire your message. Reasonably fit. That is a. <laughs> that is not the typical message that you get nowadays, especially on social media. What inspired that? So we have we've been personal trainers for a little over fifteen years, and we owned our own gym for eight years, and. It really came about by just working with so many people and realizing that the messaging that was actually being put out there to average people looking to just like be healthier was so, excuse me, so extreme when most people just wanted to make fitness fit into their life and just have it be a part of their life and feel good in their bodies and all these things. And, but they were being delivered like cleanses and extreme crash diets and extreme workouts. And these things just didn't actually, they weren't actually in alignment with what most people actually wanted to accomplish when it came to fitness. Yeah. Yeah. when When we first got into the industry as personal trainers we would try to do these sorts of things that were sort of out there. We would have them log their food, log every single meal, like track their calories, just be very 
rigid. Yeah, rigid and just um, just go so far into these extreme measures. And it really wasn't until years and years and years of meeting people from different backgrounds and working with different people where it was like, this isn't working. Sure, there might be some short-term success here and there, but in the long term, in the grand scheme of things, this really isn't working. It's too hard to adhere to. It's too unsustainable. And let's kind of peel it back a little bit. And so over the course of 15 years, we've started to become a lot more reasonable with our approach. And that has been actually interesting because not taking a aggressive approach has actually helped to yield better results in the long term. So we're trying to treat this more like a marathon rather than a sprint. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I have uh, experienced like numerous different iterations of like, I'm going to do this for fitness now. Like I, I got into cycling and and then and but I am I seem to be extreme in every pursuit. And <laughs> I found much the same thing is that like I'll be in the middle of like this kind of fantasy with cycling where I'm like actually going and riding all the stages of the Tour de France one year and spending <laughs> eight hours a day on my bike every day. And and then and I'm thinking like, yeah, I'll do this forever. And then life creeps up on you and goes like, you can't. You're not a professional cyclist. And, you know, you and you're going to hurt yourself and you're not eating nutritiously at all. You're starving yourself and doing some obscene amount of cardio. And then in in other pursuits, like even with weightlifting, when I'm like, I'm going to just, you know, bench press the most I can bench press, I wind up, you know, with torn meniscuses and ruptured bicep tendons and and hospitalizations that take me out for a long period of time. And it's like it's the extremes for me have been disastrous. Mm. Yeah. What we talk to people about when they have when they've gone through a lot of those sort of iterations of different extremes from one extreme to another, we always talk about trying to approach this whole journey as something chasing not chasing fitness over your health, not not chasing fitness goals or weight loss goals or anything at the expense of your health. Right. And when you start to think about like, okay, what am I doing right now for fitness? And are my fitness goals actually making me a less healthy person? Like, am I trying to do this in ways that are actually detrimental to my overall well-being? And when you can start to look at it that way, you're like, well, okay, let's take a step back and ask, why am I doing it this way? And maybe there's a way to do it that's a little bit more in line, in alignment with my overall health goals and well-being goals. Yeah. Do, do you think that um, people are coming into fitness and, and getting into these extremes because of the marketing of them? Or do you think that the marketing is based on going like, well, I know a lot of people want, you know, an eight pack year round, right? Mm -hmm. Because for me, like getting a, a really visible six pack is really, really hard and then just not realistic to maintain that year round. It's just not going to happen. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's they probably are like, you know, uh, self-fulfilling prophecies, like just kind of like feeding into each other. But I think for the most part, it's the marketing that's doing the damage and people are then feeling like, oh, I'm supposed to look like this person or I'm supposed to eat like this person or I'm supposed to work out like this person. And they're thinking they're, they're being fed the goals that they're supposed to have, as opposed to people actually sitting down with themselves for a moment and asking themselves, what do I actually want out of this? And why am I actually trying to do this? Yeah, yeah. We started to question a lot of this because we used to kind of push this sort of like kind of feed into it as well. It's like, oh, 
the industry keeps saying like, okay, these people want to lose 10 to 20 pounds. So they would come into us and see us and we kind of be expecting that that would be their goal. But what would happen is once we've been working with them for a long period of time, we would kind of peel back the layers and be like, actually, this 10 to 20 pounds is totally arbitrary. And once they start to get it, like we're, our background is in strength training. So again, it's strength training. And they would light up when they would talk about like how their deadlift was increasing or how their uh, back muscles were starting to be visible. And they would light up with all these different goals beyond just this random number on the scale. Right. And we're like, you know what? We're putting so much attention into this number instead of focusing on what they actually like. Like they want to work on pull-ups. They want to work on increasing your deadlift. They want to be better at running a 5K. They, they want to do all these sorts of things. Why is this number such a discouraging thing for them in the back of their minds? And so we really put a lot of the attention away from that number and more on the stuff that they actually enjoy, which in turn actually got them to that number in the first place, if that's something that they wanted to do. Do you think that that's a big part of it, though? Like a comprehensive kind of... Um discussion or, or or just even sitting and thinking about what do I really want? Because I, I think you're right. I think there are a lot of people that show up to a gym or are scrolling their Instagram feed and go, I want that, right? X, whatever it is to lose 20 pounds, to fit into some jeans or whatever it is. And they don't really think beyond that of like, what else can I get out of this? Or what do I want long-term? Or what do I want a year from now? Because for me, there have been many times where I like wrote a number down in my head, got to the number and the next day started gaining weight back, mm -hmm. you know? So there, so like I would have these finite goals that I could achieve and they were always, you know, really hard, but fast. And then it was over. And then it was like, poof, and I have no nothing left to work for. Right. Because you had you didn't get excited about the process of getting there. It was the outcome that was getting you excited, probably. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest shift that we're trying to help people get to early on is find something that you actually enjoy. Like it doesn't matter what it is. It's not that big of a it's not gonna make that big of a difference if you're strength training versus running versus cycling versus swimming. Like find an activity you enjoy and then start to find foods that you enjoy that are actually making you feel good. It's not about all about restriction or all about burning a certain amount of calories. It's really about enjoying this process because then you're actually going to do it right. and, and you're going to do it for a long time, or you're going to, it's going to snowball into like what you were saying, like of all of a sudden you're doing the tour de France. Then you're like, what, how did I get here? Yeah. <laughs> but not because you started out saying like, I have to do that in order to be a fit person. It's just because all of a sudden you realize that you enjoy this and you like it and you're, you want to keep going because the process is fun. Not because you still aren't to this outcome, arbitrary outcome that you set for yourself. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. You go. I, I think it was, it was really tough too, because I enjoyed riding my bike, but like, I won't ride a bike now because I'm so much slower than I was. And it's like, well, if I'm not going to be extreme, I'm not going to really take, and that's not uh, mm. an absolute truth. Like I'll ride my bike with my kids on the beach, but I won't do it for fitness because I'm slow. You know, I rode a, a full marathon on a rowing machine and I won't touch those now because I'm, I suck compared to what I used to be able to do, you know? So I, I still get stuck in those extremes, but none of it started out like that. It was all like, how do I, how do I lose weight fast? Right. Oh, I can do yeah. this. I'm just going to do this every day. Yeah. And it's so hard to not get stuck in that 
trap of comparing yourself to where you've been in the past or comparing yourself to other people. That's like the two traps that we fall into is either we're scrolling social media and we're looking at other people and saying, I wish I had their arms and I wish I had their legs. And so I'm going to eat like them and work out like them, which is not going to be helpful for you as an individual because your body is not their body and you're going to respond differently to different foods and different exercise. And then the other trap we fall into is comparing ourselves to our previous selves or, you know, versions of ourselves that we think we're better than where we're at now. And when we do that, we lose sight of like, what is the best thing for me to do for myself in this moment based on what's going on in my life right now? And like, like you have kids, that's your life is different now from when you didn't have kids. You have other responsibilities now. There's fitness is going to be a different piece of the puzzle for you than it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And so we just have to figure out how to still fit it in and how to still make it work for us without feeling like if it wasn't what it was before, then we're a failure and we might as well not even try. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the trap with being so extreme. It kind of just opens up different traps, basically. And the comparison trap is a big one. And I think our reasonable sort of approach has started to come about because we've been talking to people and working with people and they have these different scenarios that arise that are kind of needless because they place so much pressure on these arbitrary outcome goals. And they have such extreme measures that all these things start to pop up. And so we were, we were like, let's take all this pressure off. Let's have all these outcome goals kind of like off the table. Let's talk about why you actually want to be fit in the first place. And let's just focus on things that you enjoy and do it in a reasonable way. But let's drag out this timeline. Let's stop condensing it into four, eight, 12 week periods, drag it out and think about this as a lifelong endeavor. And when you're doing it like that, you're not going to be in as big of a rush and put so much pressure on yourself and go to su such extreme lengths. And it's going to be such so much more of an enjoyable process. And all these traps kind of just dissolve as a byproduct of that. Yeah, I've even had to do it recently or, you know, within the last year, you know, 2020 and 21, I was like, I'm going to put on four to five pounds of muscle per year for the next number of years. Even that is a lot of work. And there yeah. was a point where I was like, I'm, you know, on a DEXA scan, I'm 230 pounds of lean tissue, 11 pounds of bones, and then however much fat I'm carrying at, at whatever point, keeping it, you know, around 15 to 18%. Um, what do I need? 230 pounds of lean tissue is quite a bit of lean tissue, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> what am I trying to do here? And it's costing me a couple hours a day just to try to do that. And I've kind of gotten to the point where it's like, I like lifting weights, but, but I don't really always have two hours a day to do that, you know? Yeah. And so like, what can I do? And you can actually maintain your muscle mass really easily. It's a lot less work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, I mean, think about at the end of each year, like let's say one year you gain 3.999 pounds of muscle. Like, are you going to be bummed out about that or instead <laughs> celebrate that? I feel like when you get to these like arbitrary numbers, you, you can't celebrate as much those victories. Like at yeah. the end of the year, you should be excited. But then because you have in the back of your mind, I said four to five, I only hit 3.9. It yeah. kind of becomes discouraging. I'm a failure. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah. I've ruined <laughs> I it I think all. you have some examples about weight too. What do you mean? You have some examples about weight loss. too. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've had so many people have the same experience with weight loss. Yeah. It's like they're, you know, I, I and one of the experiences that really stands out to me as a reason not to 
necessarily always be focused or as a personal trainer, especially not always be praising somebody on their weight loss, um, was one of my early, early clients. So this was probably 12, 13 years ago. She lost hundreds of pounds. So, and we were doing, you know, she was working out personal training with me three times a week and we were working on a meal plan together, like writing out everything she was eating. And it was all very much planned out and written out. And I, I think I went studied abroad. I left for a little while. And when I came back, and, and so the whole time we're doing like before and after pictures and celebrating her weight loss. And like, she was proud of herself. I was proud of her telling her how proud I was. And then I came back and she had gained all of the weight back. And my initial feeling was, I feel so horrible that I've been praising this person for their weight loss because I don't want her to think that she's no longer valuable or, or that I no longer value her as a human being. And I got really emotional about it because I was like, I still love her. I still think she's an amazing person. She has all the same qualities as a human being, but she's probably embarrassed to see me because she thinks that I'm only proud of her when she's at a lighter weight. And so this was one of the big turning points for me in terms of just how we speak to each other about our bodies and goals and what's going on. Like we can be proud of somebody for accomplishing something, for working hard. But when we focus so much on the outcome, as opposed to focusing on, hey, you've been really consistent in the gym. Like, that's great to see. I hope you're feeling good. As opposed to, hey, you look great. You've lost so much weight. Because when, if or when that weight comes back, you don't want to have to be in the position to then have to backtrack or say like, or or make, make them question if you still are proud of them or if you still value them. Yeah. Are you guys focused on, you know, like I think of, I think of people who have massive weight to lose and, and like this idea of being reasonably fit and approaching something as uh, not necessarily like a punishment to yourself, but like true, true, truly trying, you know, these catchphrases that are popular, like lifestyle change, right? I've seen that in a thousand diet books and didn't mm -hmm. actually understand it until I realized, oh, I've, I've done lifestyle change, right? My yeah. life doesn't look anything nothing near what it looked like when I was 500 pounds or 550. Um, so that's lifestyle change. Oh, I could look at, there's so much more to it than just, I went on a diet or I started exercising, right? It's a lot of that. Are, are, are you guys thinking about that sort of things, those sort of things with folks? And again, I really like what you're talking about, making it fun, um, but for somebody who's in dire straits, who needs to lose massive weight, are you guys thinking about stuff that's outside of just a meal plan and exercise? Yeah. I mean, even still, I don't think that we would start with a meal plan and exercise. I mean, the thing is, I would have to, I'm not in a position, I would say, and I don't think Jason is either, to tell someone that they should lose weight. And I think that that's a difference between how we feel and how a lot of trainers maybe feel is that if somebody is 500 pounds and they are not asking me how to lose weight, I'm not telling them how sure. to lose weight. Yeah. I don't think that's an appropriate thing for me. If they're comfortable in their body, that's great. I want them to feel good. But if somebody comes to me and says, I'm 500 pounds and I'm uncomfortable, I'm not happy in my body, I want to lose weight, that's a different story. But I think that that as just a starting point is important because people are being told that their bodies are wrong when they might not feel bad in their own bodies. And so that I just want to sort of like lay out first and foremost. And then if somebody is like, no, this is something I really want to do, we still are going to take a more sustainable approach because 
I don't know your exact experience, but it sounds like you have done diets and then lost weight and gained weight back. And that's so common. And yes, you might be able to lose weight faster with a more extreme diet, but, or exercise regimen, but you're going to then most likely not be able to maintain that. So a slower approach, like Jason was saying, it still does feel like the best approach to help somebody actually maintain this for the rest of their lives. I totally agree. I, I, you know, I, I think there's some science that suggests that people who lose weight quickly initially are, might tend to be motivated by it and therefore stick with it in the long term. But all of the people who stick with it in the long term wind up going or, or from what I've seen, I haven't seen anybody that lost, you know, 200 pounds in a year and then was just fine and everything mm -hmm. was dandy and there were no issues and they went back to their normal life and didn't change anything and kept it off. That's that's like ultra, ultra rare. And for the majority of folks who from my experience and the majority of folks who I've talked to, once you have lost a good amount of weight, then it gets really slow, right? Then it's yeah. like fine tu tuning and figuring out. And like, you you know, anytime I'll go for an extreme now, if I'm like, if I have a job and it's like, oh, I have to look really, really ultra athletic in this, I'm going to do something fast. That weight's coming back. I just know it is, you know, that's part of the equation. Yeah, and that's really helpful for people listening to hear because that is like, like, it's not to say that an extreme diet doesn't work in the short term. <laughs> like if you're trying to, and, and the, the examples we always give are like, most people aren't actors. <laughs> most people aren't bodybuilders. Most people aren't doing this for their profession. So they don't need to take those extremes. Sometimes you do. Sometimes in rare cases, you might have to do that. But like you just said, that's not actually sustainable. And it's not actually going to lead you to the life that you think it's going to lead you to. It's going to be a very short period of time. Yeah. I was talking to a guy a couple last week and and the the analogy that I think I worked out in my head that made the most sense is like, if you go into it thinking about a marathon as a hundred yard dash, you're not going to finish. You can't run a marathon at sprint speed. But if you go into it thinking about a marathon and thinking I'm going to run fast and hard for the first hundred yards, but I, I can't overdo it because I still know I have, you know, 25 miles after that to run. And I'm going to slow down to a pace that I can do it. That to me seemed like, a, but again, we're talking about people with who, you know, I think that's the problem is that there's so much like you wake up one day and you go like, I want to lose a hundred pounds. And it's just almost like your skin is crawling. Like you just want to like peel it off and step out of it. And I completely empathize with that feeling because I've experienced it many times. I could still wake up today and have that feeling mm -hmm. um it's not unusual but i but i think that you got to fight that because that's a that's a strategy that i've only failed with yeah yeah you know when we that kind of like reminds me of something when we were first starting to develop our approach earlier on sometimes we'd have people come into the gym and they were really gung-ho really excited really to like just to get out of the gate on a fast note just like you were talking about and we actually, looking back on it, did them a disservice because we would say, you know what, In instead of working out five times a week, I know you really want to work out five times a week right now. Let's work out three times a week. That's going to be a little bit more sustainable for you. We didn't meet them where they were at. 
they wanted to work out five times a week. They had the time. They were able to prioritize. We should have capitalized on that sort of motivation that they had at that time, that spark that they had. So right now, our approach right now is different because we've now defined being reasonable as very individual. Right. Reasonable to a 20-year-old is totally different from reasonable for a 50-year-old. <laughs> sure. And so that 20-year-old, it's totally reasonable for them to work out six days a week, two hours at a time, but that's going to be unreasonable for the 60-year-old or even the 30-year-old with different life circumstances. And so before, we kind of had a little bit more of an agenda to kind of really pace people, but now we try to meet people where they're at, regardless of where they are on the spectrum. Right. You're just not taking them and going like, oh... You thought you'd get away with this. Well, it's 10 times that you're going to kill yourself every day and you won't yeah. be able to do anything else but come and work out with us. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's good. <laughs> what do, do you guys have? Um, I mean, I imagine you must have clients who who come to you with New Year's resolutions. The, the year is ending. It seems to be very like. The, the biggest trap for me, not in the past few years, but there was a long period. There was a period of my life where I didn't think about it at all. I tried as hard as I could to like not look in any mirrors, right? I was not being present. I was ignoring everything. And then when I was aware of stuff, there were years where I would just get to Thanksgiving and go, okay, this time no longer counts. Like if I arrive at Thanksgiving and go like, mm -hmm. I'd like to lose 50 pounds, by the time we got to New Year, New Year's Day, it would be 70 or 80 pounds I needed to lose <laughs> because I, I took that period off. Do you do you find a, a lot of you, you run into a lot of resolutions? Yeah, we definitely do. I mean, the it's it's so funny now. I feel like there's this like like some people are still in the fitness industry. I'll talk for, I'll speak to like, some people are still like, you got to set a new year's resolution. This is your chance. Like, this is when you're motivated, like try to set a goal. And then there's other people being like, throw away your new year's resolutions. It's like, it's harmful for you. And like, you, you can just work, worry about it for the whole year, not just this one day and that new year's resolutions don't work. And like, everybody's just battling each other. And well, I mean, I guess this wouldn't be a surprise, but we're, we try to be a little more reasonable. I it. hope so. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> but it is what we like to tell people is when you're setting a goal, setting goals is great. A lot of people really need a goal in order to kickstart something. And what we try to tell them is think about a goal that is process-based as opposed to outcome-based. So instead of saying, I'm going to lose 50 pounds this year, you can say, I'm going to go to the gym three times a week consistently this year, and I'm going to whatever nutrition strategy you want to choose. Like I'm going to have two process-based goals, things that you are actually in control of that you choose to do every single day, as opposed to you don't choose to lose 50 pounds. Right. Like you can't do anything in the moment to be like, okay, right now I'm going to think really hard about it. I'm going to lose a pound. Like you actually have to, to act, right. You have to do something. And so to you focus need a your process. Goal, Yes. So to focus the goal on the process as opposed to the outcome is our biggest piece of advice. It gives you so much more control. You're in the driver's seat. You're like, I can actually make this happen. And I think something that we do for the process-based goals is to also audit whether or not it's actually realistic, right? If someone has a newborn at home, like, is it feasible for them to work out five times a week, even though that's their process-based goal? Like, perhaps not. And we kind of have to kind of dig deeper. Like, is this reasonable? Have you talked to your partner? Like, can this actually realistically happen? Are you 80% confident, 50% confident? Like, you got to be very confident to have that be an actual realistic process-based goal. 
Yeah, I prefer resistance training. I prefer lifting weights. And that's the, the, the majority of the kind of exercise I do in the gym. But even if... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I, life, you know, wallops me and I'm going to miss a, a, a training session. I, my process is like, get some exercise. Doesn't matter if it's squats and sit-ups, if it's mm -hmm. on an elliptical machine, if it's walking outside, if I'm missing the gym, I'm doing something else. That So I really like what you're talking about, process-based goals. I think that to me resonates so much more with like, what a resolution. I'm going to get onto some fitness plan. I'm going to alter my diet in some way. The, the 50 pound or whatever, 10 to 20 pound, you know, for more average sized folks, um, goal it's, it's, it's like burdensome to me because mm. it, it does seem so fallible. It does seem so, uh, fragile and like, uh, you know, like, okay, w what happens when you do that? W you, you know, then, then you're done. You're no yeah. longer, you know, <laughs> and right. And it's a more negative, like approach or your mindset tends to be more negative when you're only thinking about the fact that you're not there yet. Right. Whereas like a process-based goal, like you meet it week one, right. like week, January 1st, if your, your goal was to work out three times that week and you met it, like you're, you met your goal. Like you already have been meeting it and you continue to accomplish it as opposed to always looking ahead. And if you're not there yet, feeling like you're, fa you're failing or that you're not happy yet, like we want you to feel happier earlier <laughs> as opposed to only happy when you get to that goal. Right. That's amazing. Something we try to talk, talk to, um, you know, people that we work with is we want them to strength train multiple times per week, eat nutrient dense foods, think about their sleep, their hydration, their mental health, like things like that. But when you think about losing 50 pounds as your real outcome based goal, you start to do things at the sake of that. Instead of eating nutrient dense foods, you eat nutrient 
not dense foods. You get those <laughs> right. 100 calorie snack rice packs, cakes and, yeah. rice cakes, like anything that is just kind of like air that is only going to give you like a few amount of calories and kind of like sustain you until the next couple hours until you get another really light snack. Like you start to counteract against your health. Again, in the pursuit of fitness, you are doing it at the expense of your health right. a lot of times. Yeah, that's that's an amazing way. I I hadn't really thought about that. You know, I will occasionally drink a Diet Coke because I have like this craving for something sweet. I wasn't such a sweet guy. I was way more a fatty guy. And I, I think of a pizza as a fatty food, not a carby food, though I'm sure mm -hmm. it has a lot of carbs in it. Um, But like, uh, yeah, it, if you're if you're if your dieting scheme is like I'm going to be starving myself where, you know, if we stay on it a couple months too long, we die. Right. right. And, and that's like, <laughs> that's your scheme to lose weight. I don't know. I've done that. It sucks. And then you gain the weight back. And I don't yeah. know people who have just done that and been fine. Yeah. And I mean, I, so I have not had the experience of any sort of extreme weight loss, but I have had my weight be an, an issue, a personal issue for myself back sure. in college and in high school. And and done really extreme things to try to lose that 10, 20 pounds. And it, for me, it, it resulted in like a restrict and binge cycle that was just consistent. That was the constant was I was restricting anytime I was around anyone. I was terrified of people seeing me eat food. I didn't want to see and have anyone judge what I was eating. So I ate so little when anybody else was around. And as soon as I was by myself or alone, that's when I would binge and feel completely out of control. And so I think that there's like this, and then for me, it was this feeling of no willpower, like just, it would spiral into all this negative self-talk about who I was as a person. Like I have no, no self-control. I have no willpower. I can't actually starve myself. I'm not strong enough to do that. And like, you know, that, that's what that led to. And it wasn't until I actually opened up to Jason. So we were already together at this time. And I said, I want to let you know that this is something I've been doing because I need, I'm out of control and like, I need to figure out how to stop this. And as soon as I put it out in the open, it literally never happened again. Like I, I immediately was like, he knows now that I eat in secret. So what's the point? I'll right. eat those foods in not secret. I'll eat them <laughs> out in the world. And as soon as I allowed myself to do that, there was no feelings of being out of control anymore. There were no like cravings started to go away because I was just letting myself have some of those foods. For me, that was a big shift. And I know that's not the same, the case for everyone. Some people are like, nope, if I have those foods, that spirals me into allowing myself to always eat those foods. For me, it was the opposite. It was, and for a lot of people we speak to, it was actually allowing yourself to have some of those off limit or bad foods that you have, you know, put labels on for yourself actually allowing yourself to have those every once in a while in front of people with no shame then allows you to not feel out of control around those foods when you're alone. Yeah. You, you know, you, you, um, it sounds like you accidentally stumbled upon one of like the, uh, paramount or fundamental principles in like recovery from addiction, which is, oh, wow you admit to yourself and another in front of God and God can be whatever God is for you or, or not God for an atheist, um, that you are powerless to drugs and alcohol. That's, that's mm -hmm. the thing for, for addiction to substances. But like for me, um, there's a really close analogies there to what I've gone through with food where it's like, if, if I, if I'm being secretive about it and withholding that from 
everyone, basically, the minute that I can take the power away from it just by saying to another person, here's a problem I have. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's usually a very hard conversation to have. Even with weight loss, I had to say to the girl who's now my wife and I like it was so weird because my experience was that she that if if as soon as I talked to her about it, she would become aware of it. I was 500 pounds at the time. She's absolutely aware of that. There's no way to not be aware of that. But it was as though I had this secret from her. Right. It's, it mm. was like it felt like I was um, going to tell her I robbed a bank or something. And the cops <laughs> were after me like I yeah. have to tell you this. And but there was no way I knew, like, if I don't open up to her about this, I don't resolve this. And she's the most important person to me. And if I don't resolve this, I think our relationship has a timer on it. And so it is a very powerful thing what you're talking about, that that kind of like admittance. And you do suck kind of the power away from it. Yeah. What was her reaction when you actually had that conversation? She, she it was so uh it was the biggest relief I've ever experienced because I, I said, I said everything to her. I said, I need to do something about this and I have this problem. And she was like, okay, yeah, we can totally do that. If that's what you want to do. It was like, there was no significance for her. Like, I think the way we think about these things <laughs> is so powerful. Right. And the, the significance we put on them ourselves can control, like you can say like, well, it's just, it's just a matter of, diet and exercise. Right. And I think that negates so much. Like there's mm. so much more to being a human being than just like do the thing that is <laughs> yeah. the thing. Right. Um, <laughs> like get, be stronger, you know, just decide to be stronger. Okay. Well that might actually take a bunch of work, you know? Uh, and it's so, so I funny because, oh yeah, go ahead. No, 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 that's all. And that, well, that was our exact, that was our exact experience. It was like, I built this up so much in my head and like, what's he going to think of me? What's he going to say? And he was literally just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had very minimal reaction. And I think that was a positive in the long run, right? It's just like, yeah. I, yeah, it was so built up in your mind and you were like ready for this big reveal. And the fact that I had no reaction, it was almost like you were like, oh, he, he's not thinking about, he's not worrying about this. Right. And I think that's kind of like really cultivated our approach of, having people just make sure that they're part of something like a community or have a workout buddy, have an online community, like just to talk about these things, because like you were saying, yeah, you, you're able to have more control and power over it. But if it's in your mind the whole time, you're going through these thought spirals and you're just like swimming in your own thoughts, like that's a really unproductive place to be. So just to kind of lay it all out there can be so powerful for you and, and empowering. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, I, I do think there is something valuable to like, if you go to like an old timer sober guy and you say like my, and, and you just go and you go, listen, I've got a drug problem. They're going to have that reaction. They're going to be like, no big deal. Great. We got this. We can do this. No problem. Yeah. It can be difficult for some you know, spouses. And, and I'm glad, so glad, Jason, that that's the reaction you have, because <laughs> there can be the instinct to be like, oh, thank God, I've been dying for you to, to have this, you know, come to God. Let's go to the gym right now. Oh right? Yeah, let's start. You're not eating anything. We're going to do a fast, you know. And I do think that's the wrong approach. I think when we pile the significance on, it can then bury the person in the problem again. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think if partners are listening to this, like people who know, because usually if you are a partner or a good friend or family, like you probably know that something's going on. Like, it's not like he didn't know that I was having insecurities and that, you know, I was doing some things that weren't necessarily healthy for myself. They most likely know, but if you are readying yourself for that conversation, the less that you react, probably the better. Yeah, I totally (laughs) agree. Yeah. One way or the other, like, I knew it is also not, you know, <laughs> yeah. and like, oh, thank God I've been waiting for this. Right? <laughs> like both of those can be a rough thing to experience, especially if you've just said something that was very vulnerable, very difficult to say. It's like, um, you know, it's a moment where I think the less uh, intensity, the better either way. Yeah, yeah you know? exactly. <laughs> um, do you guys have uh, husband, wives or husband, husband or and partner type people coming to work out with you? Oh, yeah, we have that a lot. We we currently only train online, so we don't see it as much in person. But at our gym, we had a lot of people who would come in with their partners. And that was an usually it was an awesome experience. It would be funny. Some some people would be like, I we want to work out at different times with different trainers. <laughs> and then others would be like, I want to work out at the same time together. And it really depended on what worked for their relationships. But it was it was something that typically was a net positive. But do you and do you find that you as a couple with similar interests, there is some importance to, you know, whether your partner is going to be working out and doing the same things as you, but getting them at least on the team of whatever you're doing, they'll support what you're doing. Do you know what I'm saying? Totally. We, so right now we work out in our basement. We, when we bought our new house, we created a a basement gym. And there are a lot of times where we work out after we put our kids to bed, we have a four-year-old and a one-year-old. So they're in bed pretty early. And but getting them to bed sometimes can feel like a, an Olympic event. So we're like, by the time it's seven 30 and we're in the kitchen deciding if we want to go work out a lot of times it takes one of us to start walking down the stairs for the other one to follow. But if one of us says, no, I don't think I'm going to, the other one easily will say, I don't think I'm going to either. (laughs) So it really does help to have somebody who's going to not going to force you or make you feel bad if you decide to rest or you decide not to do it, but just somebody who you can count on to be like, all right, We're both tired, but let's try to do this together. And it really does help. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. Back to resolutions again. What do you recommend is the best process? If we're saying like, and you know, I, I don't, I don't expect absolutes out of you. Like everybody should be doing X, Y, and Z. That's not (laughs) what I'm talking about. But like, is there a, a simple thing and people can go to your website and look at what you guys offer too, but like, is there something you can give away where it's like, here's what we suggest. Here's a good thing to start in the new year. Yeah. I mean, I think we would, it depends. I, like you said, it depends on so many factors. Like what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? But for us, it's like movement is always going to be good. And so having some sort of movement goal and having a, a, like a consistency goal. So wanting to work out, whether it's, I want to strength train three times a week or whether it's, I want to run four days a week. Like I, I, we don't really care what that is, but pick a movement or a modality that you really like and try to have a goal of how consistent you want to aim to be. And that would be what I would start with in terms of that. And for diet, if that's something that you want to incorporate, usually we try to start with adding rather than subtracting when it comes to nutrition. So we would probably say, start with a goal of, I want to make sure that I'm getting, um, a vegetable 
a serving of vegetables with every meal and something that you're adding because we so often are told to restrict and we're so often told to take things away. And again, that is, it feels really negative. It feels like you're missing out. So if you start to add things in, other things are going to start to come out. They're going to have to start coming out, right? If you have a ton of vegetables on your plate, you don't have as much room for things that might not be vegetables. And so just thinking about ways that you can add more nutrient dense foods in and having something specific like a serving of vegetables at every meal can be a way to do that. Right. That's awesome. Jason, what about you? Um, I was going to go along with the sort of the adding nutrient dense foods like vegetables is kind of like our go to, but also protein as well. I think a lot of people tend to under eat protein. But if we tell them like, hey, let's double that portion size of chicken, let's double that portion size of beef and like the plate kind of naturally starts to rearrange itself in a way that is a little bit more conducive towards whatever goals that they have going on. Not only does it help to build muscle, but also helps with uh, lean muscle mass and all that. So I, I think that's really one of the uh, the big things that we look for. And then we also have them look for just general, like the little rocks, right? Like hydration, sleep, stress management, just like little things in their kind of like overall life that can make a big difference when you start to add little things up. Like, hey, can we get a little bit more sleep here? Can we get a little bit more water intake? And when you start to take, just like check things off the box, it's very motivating. You're like, oh, I've done so much. Let me keep adding to that momentum. And the ball just keeps rolling faster and faster and faster until all these things become really just subconscious habits. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I, 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 I try to do both of those things. I've, I've aced protein and that was really tough for a long mm. time. Mm. Vegetables is still something I have to like almost eat like vitamins, you know, like <laughs> I, I just am not super into them. I, you know, if like cream spinach is delicious or like, you know, balsamic uh, glazed Brussels sprouts fried with bacon is also delicious. <laughs> I would have no trouble eating that. But raw or steamed vegetables is tough for me. But but I still do tr go out of my way to try to get a, a serving. I, I want to say to protein, um, when I finally dialed in my protein, it was like this magical thing because it 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 did seem like an unreasonable amount to me at first. And then the minute I was on there, it really was like I'm I'm actually doing a little bit of work to get this food down. It's not something I sit mm. and salivate over a chicken mm -hmm. breast or, you know, ultra lean ground beef. Um, and then you eat it and you're really not hungry anymore. So cool. like, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to sell anything as like, you no longer have to, you know, you'll lose weight and you don't have to think about it. That's not true. I had to, I always had to think about what I was eating in order to lose weight. This is more for like maintenance, um, yeah. which was just as hard for me, if not even maybe harder. Um, and that protein made a huge, huge difference to how I live my life. Now I can go and get, you know, I can go to a restaurant and really not worry um, about what I'm eating because I'm front loading everything with lean protein and then I'm just not going to sit there and eat a whole basket of fries or something like that. Yeah, that's something we tell people a lot is like if you can have an understanding of what you kind of want to prioritize on your plate, it does make decisions a little bit easier. So for us, when we go out to a restaurant, we know that we're focusing on the protein first. 
Like that's sort of like, what is the source of protein? And then it almost draws your attention away from like the pasta dishes and the, and I'm not saying pasta is bad, but like, it just kind of makes you be like, okay, so I'm going to look at the chicken or the steak dishes. And then you're looking there and it's like, what do you want for a side? And you're like, well, I should probably add a vegetable. So then you add the broccoli or whatever. And it just kind of more naturally creates a plate that has a lean protein and it has some vegetables and maybe, and mashed potatoes or rice or whatever you want for a carb. I mean, we're not anti anything in terms of what, like, we don't take any, like, say like, you can't eat this food or that this isn't good for you, but having protein be your, your like guiding light for your choice does really help in that decision-making process sometimes. Yeah. Like personally, when we're kind of devising what we're going to be eating that night or when we're going to the grocery store, like how we're going to plan out our meals, it's always like, okay, we need a protein. We need a veggie. We need a carb. And it has really simplified things for us to the point where we barely even think about it. Like Lauren's running to the grocery store and she's like, oh, what kind of protein should I get? I'm like, ground beef, uh, chicken breast and a steak. And then she's like, okay, great. And I'll get some white potatoes and some rice and some sweet potatoes and uh, some veggies. And it just makes it so much more simple. And we've started to talk about this on the podcast. We, we thought it was so simple that it wasn't even worth mentioning. Yeah, but when people are, yeah, but yeah. when people are growing up, and their meal is lasagna, lasagna. Yeah. or like just something that is only one kind of macro, one sort of like nutrient. It, it makes it so that it's like, yeah, it's difficult to start to think about eating more protein and stuff like that. Cause you have these like American staples that kind of disregard different sorts of uh, nutrients. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, that is just the way you described going to the grocery store to me. Like if, if somebody, you know, I'm loath to go like, here are the hacks. Like, I'm really also not interested in the hacks. But I do think if you have a guy who, or a gal, or a person who, uh, I have four daughters and I call them guys all the time. <laughs> I understand it's sensitive. Um, if, if, if you have a, a person who has been raised on a very American diet, like a, a profound change could be just shopping at the external perimeter of the grocery store. Like, don't go inside. Don't eat any of that stuff that's boxed or bagged, right? Like what you're talking about. Produce, protein, which has fat. It all has fat in it. You can't even get a chicken breast with zero fat. I've tried. It doesn't work. I've tried to boil the fat out of it. You still get (laughs) fat, right? So you're getting- That's why we don't even like, when we're saying like protein, carb, and vegetable, we don't even include fat, even though it's a macronutrient because it's it's just usually there. Like you don't even really have to think about it. That's right. Yeah. You're going to get your fat from any fish, any meat selection you make, and then you get your veg, you got your fiber. Like I, I think that's a profound change somebody can make. I Again, like I'll still have a Diet Coke sometimes. And other than like, you know, at the cash register when they have those coolers right there, that's an inside the store item. Right. And, and, and I, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. I'll, I'll, I'll eat like some diet breads. Hero makes a diet bread that I love that you're going to find inside the grocery store too, but I'm not, that's, that's like a, that's a rarer food item for me. I I do find myself shopping and this was unintentional, but I do think when like some of the diet gurus say like, just do that. I'm like, yeah, I think you'll probably, a lot of people would probably do well doing that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a good, like general recommendation. And then we think about like 
I always want to think about like food accessibility and making sure that somebody doesn't feel like they're not doing a good job if they get frozen vegetables, for instance. Right, so, sure. you know, like there are certainly exceptions to that rule. We get we eat a lot of rice. Jason is Korean. Like that is a big part of his culture. It would be a disservice <laughs> to not eat rice as like a part of our of our diet. And so there's certain things that we want to make sure nobody feels like you know, those statements are always kind of a good general recommendation. And then you want to also make sure people know that if you can't follow it, like no, nobody probably is following it perfectly. And there are certain exceptions for just different cultures, different lifestyles, things like that, that are going to pop up. And you kind of have to think about this from an individual standpoint, take the, take the advice for with a grain of salt. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, by the way, Koreans are awesome. The, the, the flavorings <laughs> they use like go, go to John, I yeah. love it. You can get yeah. and and a lot of the gochujang has some sugar in it, but you can get just the flakes. Amazing kimchi so rice and any protein is an amazing dish. Yeah, my uh, my parents actually have four Korean barbecue restaurants. Oh god, <laughs> <laughs> it's called the Cast Iron Pot. But when we were first early on in personal trainers, like, it, I mean, this was like 15 years ago, and the whole messaging was like, you have to eat brown rice, not white rice. Right. You have to eat sweet potato, <laughs> not white potato. And I went to my parents' restaurant and I told my mom, I'm not having rice unless you have brown rice available. And she's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. I freezed you for 20 years. You've been eating white rice and now suddenly you're going to eat brown rice. And I didn't eat rice that meal. I just had the meat and whatever things I was dipping in. And I thought I was being super healthy. <laughs> it's right. just like she was just mind blown that I would totally disregard this staple that I grew up with. Yeah. Well, and now the lectins are the taboo thing and nobody's eating brown rice. Anymore. Right. Yeah. Brown <laughs> rice is bad. That swing has been amazing, dude. I, yeah. you know, I, I, I was put on every diet as a kid, my, and we lived in Los Angeles. So we would be at the, at the forefront mm. of all the fads. Mm. And there were times where my mom would just come home and make an announcement. Like we don't eat anything red anymore. <laughs> you know, and it was like red cabbage, red onion, red meat. It's all off. And then there would be, you know, a year later where it was like, nope, we were wrong. White foods are out. No turkey, <laughs> no white onion. Like the, the the craziness with all of that. And and so like today, even like, yeah, I, I don't think anybody has to be militant. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. About shopping at the exterior of the grocery store. And you can very easily go and buy frozen vegetables and frozen meat and frozen whatever you want. And it's perfectly fine or canned. But, you know, they they might sneak some other stuff into the canned stuff. So you got to read the label. But like, Yeah. yeah. We don't need to be so extreme. Eat brown rice if you like brown rice. And if you don't eat white rice, I don't yeah. care. I won't. Yeah. I remember when they first started to talk about the difference, like that it didn't actually matter white rice versus brown rice. And actually white rice might be easier to, to digest. We were losing our minds because yeah. we had been told for so many years that brown rice, like you, I couldn't have imagined that we'd be eating as much white rice as we do now. <laughs> but right. it's, it is just funny. And it really has helped us to just be like, to see the see the trends, see the fads, see what's going on and and look at it with a little bit of a clearer mind because we know, I mean, right now carnivore is like the biggest thing oh, and everyone's eating a carnivore diet. Nobody's eating vegetables. So maybe that's your, maybe that's your next diet. You don't have to eat vegetables. The carnivore <laughs> guy drives me crazy because he talks about like the poisons in vegetables and still advocates eating apples and apples have cyanide in them. They have tiny bundles of cyanide in them and, and anything can be a poison. He talks about salt. You can kill yourself in a single sitting by eating too much salt. I mean, it's a lot. You got to eat like five grams on an empty stomach that will kill you. You can die of too much water, right? Like you can, anything can be too much if you yeah. anything can be poisonous or toxic if you have too much of it yeah, yeah. the dose makes the poison i doubt <laughs> that there's any r- record of a person who's not truly allergic who sat down and ate so many onions that it killed them i just don't believe yeah. that that's ever happened <laughs> no um, yeah i remember going back to the whole brown rice thing i remember we lauren and i used to just have so much stress and pressure around our meals that we would go to three different grocery stores to fulfill our entire shopping list because we were trying so hard to optimize. We needed to get the wild caught salmon at Whole Foods. We needed to get the fresh ground peanut butter and almond butter at Trader Joe's. And then we needed to get the fruits over at Market Basket and like go through this whole trouble. And it's like, we spent the entire day accumulating this food, (laughs) like harvesting it. And then, you know, reality hit, we opened our gym, we had kids and it's like, we can't do that. We barely have 30 minutes to go grab a couple things. Like it, it's, we've just learned to take so much pressure off of everything, be more reasonable. And it's just been so much easier for us to simplify our nutrition and our workout habits. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will advocate for white rice as a carb source because you can put barbecue sauce on it. You can put soy sauce on it. You can mm, put hot sauce, hot sauce, mustard, and you can put anything on it and it's fine. You can't do that with pasta. Mm-hmm. Harder right. with a potato. You know, the sauces don't adhere to a potato that well. And I'm sorry if I offend you, Jason. I don't mean to. I like microwavable rice. I like <laughs> the oh, bag we use it too. Micro- yeah, we do it's too. So, it's great, you know. So convenient. We so have convenient. a rice maker, but we also will do microwave in, in a pinch. Me too. You know? yeah. yeah, it's just easier. Amazing. (laughs) Guys, thank you so much. This has been a lovely conversation. This was so fun. Thanks for having us. Thank you.
And now for the Q&A. Here is a question from Christopher. Hi, Christopher. He says, my name is Chris. And first off, I'm a huge fan. I'm so proud of your accomplishments. You're an inspiration to me and so many others. He says, continue to kill it. I'm writing to ask your advice on my goal for gaining muscle mass. I grew up being the big kid in everything I was involved in. I was very active, but always the largest. When I got into college, alcohol and drugs consumed my life. In 2012, I was my heaviest at 470. I lost down to 250 and quit. I had reached my goal and thought that I was done. I continued being an alcoholic and addict and regained all the weight plus 100. In July of... mm -hmm, In July of 2020, I had weight loss surgery weighing in at 570. I was in a 9XL shirt and 62 in the waist for pants. Fast forward to today, I'm clean and sober and weighing in at 215, wearing a large shirt and 34 in the waist. It's incredible. So amazing. He says, now I'm being told I'm too skinny and I don't want to lose any more weight. I work out Monday through Friday with a great group of guys and I've been doing low weight and high reps to try and tone out the muscle and get cut. Now I want to gain muscle mass and fill out some of the loose skin in my arms, but I want to do it the right way. I'm eating mostly protein, but due to the surgery I had, I can only take in so much at a time before I feel miserably full. What can I do? Thanks so much in advance. And I hope to hear from you. Yes. Um, okay. This is great. I, I mean, I would listen. I, there's plenty of uh, papers on uh, basically how, how frequently you eat or how, doses of protein in a given setting, right? Like I think there's only a number of uh, grams of protein that your body can absorb as protein at once. And and this changes a bit from individual to individual, but like a hundred grams of protein in a sitting, I don't, I've not heard of anybody who can, who can just put all of that towards repairing muscles. So the fact that you can only eat these small meals is great. I would figure out exa- how frequently you can eat them and have protein heavy meals every time and just make sure you don't skip on those meals. And if you can have stuff like whey protein or casein protein and water, those would be beneficial just so you're really getting enough protein. If you want to build muscle, you, you, you really got to be in a little bit of a surplus, but I would be loath to suggest somebody who had weighed over 500 pounds overeat. Um, but I think if you're overeating mostly protein, that's probably okay. Uh, and then the thing that I would change a little bit in the gym is really looking into utilizing progressive overload and the principles of progressive overload. And so when he says high, high rep, low weight, I don't know what that means because some people think like the way I work out is um, I, I like to be able to do 12 reps of anything I'm doing. And if I can't do 12 when I'm fresh, it's probably too heavy. 
you know, and, and 12, 10 to 12, like if I get 10 one day and I'm like, Oh, I'm really tired. I'm not going to lower the weight. Right. But high reps to me would be like 30 reps. Um, so I don't know if he's considering 12 reps to be high reps or, or what, but I wouldn't be doing high reps. I would be doing moderate reps and I would be looking to increase the volume over time. So set a block of like six weeks, uh, and over the course of six weeks, increase the volume. It doesn't have to be all weight. Weight is one factor. Reps and sets are the other factor. And you don't want to increase it so much that you're doing like seven sets of one exercise. That's too much. That's where I'd go like, no, add, add a rep, add a little bit of weight so that over the course of six weeks, you're building the, the load that your body's taking on is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, whether that is uh, time under tension or actual weight that you're moving around. Uh, and you can Google this. There's going to be a ton of articles on exactly how to achieve this. And, and people have different ideas, like it should be more weight focused or it should be more um, volume focused with reps and sets. And, and I think however you do it, changing up your workout that in that way, it's kind of boring because you wind up doing the same shit for weeks and weeks and weeks with the only change being a little bit more, a little bit more. And you're really only going to failure. And and by failure, I just mean like your form may start to go in the last week. You're not doing failure every week because that's another thing. Like it's hard for your muscles to repair themselves larger if you're pushing them to fail in every workout, right? They're, they're maybe getting stronger, but they're not going to get bigger because you're not giving them the time to heal. So that those are my suggestions as much protein as you possibly can eat. Um, and, and I find carbohydrates really helpful to working out. Uh, so some carbs and, um, you have to have some fat, right? We can't live without fat. And then progressive overload. That's what I would suggest. Awesome. Thank you, Christopher, for your question. And if anyone else has a question for Ethan, you can email it to us at AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee. You can follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. <laughs>